right. Oh, there. All right. You guys hear me? All right. Okay. So praise the Lord. Uh, we're here back tonight. A few of the faithful. And hope, uh, I know there's sickness going around, so pray for those who are sick. Um, just want to bring up, just uh, pray for uh, Brother Tony, his family back home. Um, his stepfather passed away, so pray for his mom and the family there, and he'll be traveling, I think, next week um, on the weekend. Yeah, he won't be here next weekend, so please pray for him, traveling mercies as well, and everything over there, the gospel will be preached, and we'll see souls saved, all right, and comfort for the family. All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, let's go to the book of Psalm, Psalm 16, We'll finish up what, uh, this was my plan last time, but I, the Lord changed the course, and I was like, man, I want to really pastor to hear this, but I felt uh, led of the Lord to finish this off. Um, I know it started, I think, back in November, then I did one in January, and so here we are in February, and so unless the Lord has another message for this, this should be the last for this uh, psalm. Okay, so Psalm 16, uh, we did, um, if you can, if you're able to, would you please stand at the reading of the Word of God? If you can't, uh, you can remain seated, that's fine. So Psalm 16, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, this is a Psalm of David, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee. But to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Verse 4, their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God or they go after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. Verse 6. The lions are fallen onto me in pleasant places, yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. Verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is my, at my right hand, I shall not be moved. And then what we'll cover tonight, verses 9 to 11, verse 9 says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Verse 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life, in thy presence is fullness of joy, at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Yeah. Alright, let's go ahead and let's bow and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your many blessings to us. We pray and ask that you would guide and direct my thoughts and words. May you fill me with the Spirit of God. May you hide me behind the cross. And may the Lord Jesus Christ be lifted up. We pray, Father, again for our pastor and Ma'am Sandy for their safety, uh, for the things they need to take care of, and their safe return as they come back here. And Lord, for others who couldn't be here for whatsoever reason, you meet their needs. Father, sickness. Um, and uh, Lord, we just pray and ask again, if there's anyone here that has not by faith trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, we pray that tonight will be the night of their salvation. 
Again, for us believers, may you challenge us to live according to your will and word. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right. Thank you. You may be seated. So someone said it this way. A man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. And so hopelessness could be a dangerous warning sign to a broken and a distressed life. So what is hopelessness? It is a feeling that conditions will never improve, that there is no solution to a problem. And there is solutions to problems. We have them right here in the Word of God. You can go to there, go to the Lord in prayer as well. So it could be a feeling of despair without any expectation of something better and losing one's purpose in life. We all have a purpose in life. So David, the great psalmist of Israel, found great satisfaction and hope in the Lord alone as he penned this wonderful psalm, Psalm 16. We saw before in verses 1 to 6, we saw that faith is only as valid as its object. And so many have faith, but it's in the wrong object. So we need to put our faith in the right object. You and I, we must put our confidence in the Lord and in Him alone. And so verses 7 and 8, we saw that as well, that as a result of our communion with God, that comes from... um, seeking Him in prayer and meditating on His Word, that we will be led by His Spirit to do what is right and also be directed on our next course or our next step, our next path to take, whether in seeking a spouse or maybe a new job or a school to go to or whatever major decisions that we need to make. And we all make plenty of decisions throughout the day. And we have to always go to the Lord in prayer whenever we have to make a decision, and most importantly, even a major decision. And so here, we see here, not only must we put our confidence in the Lord, you must also have the Lord to order your course or your path. Now we will be looking here at verses 9 to 11. So you and I, we must have the Lord care for our life here and then. So this is the key to an abundant life filled with hope that Christ has promised his children. In John 10.10, he says here um, that, uh, it says here, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy, but I am come, Jesus is saying, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Okay? So the title of the message here is, this will wrap this up, The Lord Alone is My Satisfaction, Part 3. Amen. Okay, I don't think Amen. there's a part 4. That's it, all right? Amen. Okay, so here, we have here in verse 9, or really it's 9 to 11, we need to have the Lord care for your life here and then. So here in verse 9 it says, Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth, My flesh also shall rest in hope. So when David the psalmist is saying, Therefore my heart is glad because of all these things, the Lord is at my right hand. He is there to bless, um, I will bless the Lord. I can count on him. I can trust him. He's my portion. He said, because of all these things, that his heart is glad. So within him, there is joy and gladness. So I can rejoice. 
And he says, and my glory, yes, rejoiceth. My whole being is rejoicing. And so, because Jehovah, the Lord is near at hand to help him, David, his heart becomes joyful and his soul rejoices and the joy bringing, breaking forth in rejoicing. And if we can do that, we can see all those things and we see answer to prayer, we can also rejoice in the Lord. Okay? So being satisfied in Him and allowing the Lord to order our course, our path, brings guidance and being guarded by the Lord. We saw that last time in verse 8. And also will help us delight or to be glad in the Lord. Verse 9. So then he goes on to say, My flesh also shall rest in hope. So he's saying, My body will also settle down. It will dwell in peace and security there. So with David, he looks at death calmly and triumphantly in the face. Even his flesh shall dwell or lie securely with his, which, uh, excuse me, with its approaching corruption. And so, do you and I, do we rejoice within our heart knowing that as a child of God, even though you and I will face death and maybe head on if the rapture doesn't happen in our lifetime, you can rest knowing that he is on your side. So, again, you don't have to face death alone. And I've heard of stories of people, they're in their deathbed, and look, and they see, like, I don't know, these seeing things, all of a sudden they feel like they're alone. But with the child of God, we are not alone. He is there with us. He is even, um, he's there with us to comfort us and to guide us. And so because, of, because death is an entrance to eternity with the Lord, uh, Paul even said this in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ, but to die, and to die is gain. So again, um, the Philippians were needing Paul to be there, so God did not call Paul to go home with him. Even we mentioned some of these things in Sunday school, that even though Paul was stoned, God still had a purpose for why he was still alive. And so God has a purpose for you and I, and why we were here. He didn't save us just to say, okay, yeah, and that's it. Rapture me, beam me up, Scott. No, okay? He saved us for a purpose, okay? And that's to live and to glorify him. So if, also, if I die, if you die, it says in 1 Peter 4, 1, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. This kind of seems, what does that mean? What does that phrase mean? He has suffered in the flesh. To die has ceased from sin. So what happens when you die? You don't sin anymore. <laughs> okay? You no longer sin. You're, now you're, the, the Lord gives you a glorified body. And so that's good. I know it's, it's bad for those who are left behind, because they're mourned maybe, but you can also rejoice knowing that for the child of God, they're in the presence of God, and they will no longer sin. Okay? And so, because you hate sin, and you would like to be delivered from sin, and you would like to be godly and virtuous and pure and holy and spotless. And so, that is why, with so many martyrs throughout the history of the church, have been willing to die for Christ. They're not running up and saying, you know, kill me. No. They're saying, okay, no, I can't. I will not bow down to just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I will not bow down to your gods, and they'll stand up for the Lord. And so, because of this, they were armed themselves with that same idea 
that there is great triumph in death. So Jesus died and triumphed over sin. So praise the Lord for that. So someone said this about sin. In general, sin is the worst of evils, the evil of evil, and indeed the only evil. Nothing is so evil as sin. Okay, when Lucifer was created, he was created in perfect, but then he sinned. Okay? And so because of that, now um, Adam and Eve sinned, death and was passed upon us, so now we have sinned, but we have made that choice to sin. But praise the Lord for us, for those who have trusted Christ, we will be in the presence of God no longer in sin Amen. when we be with him. So do you also let your body rest and settle down at peace with the Lord, having that joy in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, even though you would meet death head on? See, God gives you peace within that only you can have. A peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. So according to a recent world population review, the number of deaths per day two or three years ago was about, I'll round this up, to about 164,000 people a day. And now we fast forward to 2023, it has increased to 332,000. That's like double, almost double. So with this statistic, deaths per hour for this 332 plus thousand, there's every hour 13,860 deaths per hour, 231 deaths per minute, and 3.85 deaths per second. And so you think about even what happened in Ohio and there are some people that probably died over there. And I think uh, Pastor mentioned about Texas, and I think there's some other places. We hear about shootings and all these other things. So death can come at any time to our doorstep. And so because of this, these, uh, these numbers are also increasing with some people projecting that even more deaths in the coming future. And imagine even during the tribulation, there'll be so much death right there. And so we got to try to reach as many people with the gospel as the Lord permits. Again, we just share. We don't, we don't say, we don't say, okay, you're going to receive. No. We just share and then the Lord convicts, the Lord saves. And so I wonder how many people this world would say, would be able to say, just like David, my flesh shall rest in hope. So secondly, he can rejoice and rest in the Lord because it says in verse 10, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Okay, a lot of people misinterpret what the word hell says. Okay, here. He will not abandon my soul to the grave. Okay, all right. So the soul is the inner being of man, his mind, his will, his emotions. See, a person who, with David, when he died, he did not go to a burn in hell. No, okay. There was a holding place for the saved and one for the lost before Christ died on the cross at Calvary. But here, the reason he can truly rest is that David would not experience complete isolation and abandonment from God's presence. And so, he goes on to say, Neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. So here, the holy one is referring to the future prophecy of Christ's resurrection overcoming death. And so here, in Acts 13, verses 35 to 38, he says here, 
I believe this is Peter talking, wherefore he has, he saith also in another psalm, thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on a sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And so here, the forgiveness of sins is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So here, um, excuse me, this is Paul speaking here in the synagogue at Antioch at Pisidia. So I get confused with the two Antiochs as well, but that's another lesson. All right. So some men and even other religions can see no difference between a dead man and even a dead lion. And that's sad. They think that death is the end for all and both man and animals, and eventually if we die, we'll become, uh, I don't know, a, a cat or dog, I don't know, whatever. Okay. So Albert Einstein, who described himself as an agnostic or a non-believer of God, lived as one of the greatest physicists in the 1800s. Amen. It's interesting, all these guys are very smart, but they're not wise. And so he and many other physicists see each individual moment as a whole, complete and existing in its own right. So according to them, we live in a cycle of, and he quotes this, he says, nows, at the moment. And he says, but there are nows, nothing more, nothing less. So since time doesn't exist, there is no after death, except the death of your physical body in your now. It's like, man, what is that? <laughs> yes. What a desperate and awful, frightful condition of a non-believer could think of that. So it couldn't be described other than a hopeless life. Just like um, you see a, a mouse that's on the tr um, in the water treading, the light is on. He keeps, once you turn the light off, you just die. There's no hope. There's no light. Nothing you can go after. And so, now I'm not saying we're rats, okay? All right. But... There's no hope for any people. They just don't know where to turn. We see that in this world. We see how chaotic it is. And so, ah, we'll get into that a little bit later. All right. So there's no hope at all. So it's so opposite with the hope that David has. And Scripture affirms that life and consciousness continue between death and resurrection. Man. Just like in Luke 16, verses 19 to 31, we saw Lazarus and the rich man. In John um, eleven twenty six, that's again, that's Lazarus right there. So since David died and didn't rise from the grave, the psalm received a special significance in view, going uh, back from the cross, before the cross, in view of Jesus' death and resurrection, who, he who lived a perfect life. So Jesus, as the son of David, arose from the dead because it was impossible for death to keep it's hold on him, all right? Jesus didn't suffer and go to hell, no. He suffered on this world, he died on the cross, and he was set, he set captivity captive, and that's another lesson. But he, again, he arose again the third day. And so Peter proved that Jesus had been raised from the dead, for it's obvious that David was dead and his physical body had decayed in his own tomb. You can reference this in Acts 2, verses 22 to 31. But Jesus did not see corruption or decay. 
When he arose from the dead the third day, he had a real body, but it was a glorified body that could, he could take in food. You can see that in Luke 24, verses 36 to 42. But he was also able to appear and disappear, Luke 24, verses 28 to 31, and pass through locked doors. Imagine that. John 20, verses 19 to 29. And so because of this, David could face death with a glad-hardened soul and could rest in the grave in hope, knowing that one day too, would, uh, we would have a new, he would have a new glorified body, thus his body would not also, quote-unquote, see corruption or decay when he had received a new body, a glorified body, at the resurrection. Excuse me. Uh, two hours, all right. So John 14, excuse me, 19b says, <coughs> excuse me, because I, Jesus speaking, live, ye shall live also. Amen. So what a promise from the word of God. And so although the light about the truth of death and resurrection has not yet been fully revealed in the Old Testament times, there are hints in verses like in Psalm 17, verse 15, I will behold thy face, and Psalm 70, 73, 24, Thou wilt receive me to glory. Yes. And so amen for that. So, but through Jesus Christ, God had brought life and immortality or eternal life to light through the gospel, through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes. And so, believers in Christ, what must our response be to this? To delight in the Lord and His goodness, and then lose all these blessings at death would be a great tragedy. When Paul talked to the Corinthians, he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But in his death and resurrection, Jesus has conquered death, and through faith in him we have a living hope. It says in 1 Peter 1, 3. And so he is alive. The resurrection of our Lord gives confidence to all believers that we too will not suffer corruption or decay. Now, yeah, this body, physical body, will decay. Don't get me wrong, okay? But it should excite us that since Christ arose from the dead and David too is with the Lord, that we too will rise again and be with him. Because our soul will be with him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so, furthermore, this hope should also motivate us to serve Him, to live for Him, and to be a witness for Him to those who have not trusted Him, Jesus Christ, as Savior. See, 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So if we're not, we, we don't understand what the Bible says or and about death and stuff like that, then we can't give them an answer. That's, right. That's why we have, to be, we have to understand what the Bible says about those that are even different things. And so every Christian is bound to answer for the hope that is in him or in her. We must be looking for opportunities to share the gospel to the lost. Just ask the Lord, Lord, maybe just one person today or one person this week, whatever it may be. We must have a reason ready for our Christianity. 
that it must appear that we are not living either by falsehood, opinion, or by mere imagination. And so you and I must be always prepared to make a defense to anyone who may inquire about our God and the reason of the hope we have, especially in these times we're living in right now. Many people that are looking for answers and they don't know where to turn. And that's where we need to have the answers through the Word of God. Give them the answer of the living hope that's in us, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need to tell the truth with meekness, gentleness, and in the fear of God. Not the fear of man, but fearing God that, you know, we're going to stand before Him in the beam of seat of Christ for the believer. So Paul told us, where we as believers fit into God's purpose. He said that in order for a person to become a believer, he must first hear the truth about God. And then in order to hear the gospel, then he must be a messenger. Once now he hears the word, he believes it, he trusts Christ as Savior, now he and she is an ambassador for Christ, representing Christ to this world, wherever we go. And so you and I, we can use our feet, our voices, our lives, our influence, our writing, our friendliness to make an impact to spread the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it begins with you and with me. We're catching this vision to reach those who are spiritually lost, maybe in our own homes, in our own neighborhoods, our community, and even in our workplace. I'm not saying to do it during work time, but during break time, okay? Or after work. Because you might start saying, oh, well, um, you're fired. Okay, and that's it. Well, before you fire me, uh, no. So that's a bad testimony already. So we got to make sure that we know as the Lord prompts us and leads us, then we step in and we open our mouths for him. And so then expand our vision to include the groups in our own cities that are unreached and ignored by the witness of the gospel. I think even that boy that came the last time, he said he didn't even know about Jesus. He was living here in Henderson or in Vegas. Like, wow, he doesn't know about Jesus Christ. And so there are people out there that have not heard, even in here, maybe not in here, but out there in our city that not, have not heard about Jesus Christ. So if we care about obeying Christ's command... To proclaim the good news, we should feel that duty to tell others about the freedom from sin and the hope of heaven that they can have. So he has given us his word and his Holy Spirit to grant us power to present the truth. It says here in, I just want to felt led to, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse, where is it at? Uh, verse 15, it says here, And that he died for all Christ, Jesus Christ, that they which live should not live henceforth, live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So Paul here is talking to the believers at Corinth that we are to live for Christ. Live, live unto him that died for us and rose again. And so the reward is true, is sure for this. In 1 Thessalonians 2.19 it says, it talks about the crown of rejoicing as a crown, that Christ will grant the soul winner or those who um, will lead people to the Lord. It will be the reason for rejoicing when in heaven we meet those 
who have been one to Christ through our ministry or whatever avenue we've used to share the gospel, give them literature, uh, Christian literature, whatever it may be. And so Paul even told the, those at Thessalonians that you are my crown, you are my joy. And so when you lead someone to the Lord, they, they trust Christ, okay? It, it's such a joy to see that. And what more joy to see actually somebody that you lead that leads someone else. And so it keeps going. And so here, what a joy. So in verse 11 it says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So first it says here, Thou wilt show me the path of life. You, Lord, you will cause to know Make known unto me the path of life in righteousness and enjoyment of God, of Yahweh, of the Lord. And in thy presence is fullness of joy. So in your presence is satisfying abundance. There is complete satisfaction of joy in God's presence. He is all sufficient. Now the Lord has blessed us with all these different things. But imagine if he took it all away. As we saw last time, could we say like Habakkuk, I would still have joy in the Lord. As Job, when he lost everything, could he still say, um, naked I came into, uh, I entered uh, into my mother's rooms, and um, he just, yeah, naked shall I return, blessed be the name of the Lord. I lost everything. That, that's hard to do. But in the Lord and in his strength, we can say that. And so, yeah, there'll be time, tough times, but, you know, we just have to keep focusing on the Lord and doing His work. Yes. And so it says, At thy right hand are there pleasures forevermore. So God has caused David to know the path of life, so he anticipated experiencing further joy in God's presence. So this path would take him eventually into God's presence, where David's joy would be complete. And so endless pleasures would come from God's right hand. We saw that last time in 8b. It says, because he is in my right hand, I shall not be moved. And so imagine heaven, the abode of God and where departed saints live, our eternal home of blessedness, where there's no death, no tears, no sorrow, no crying, no pain, no backaches, no heartaches. No having to get up off a of bed? Yes. <laughs> whatever it may be. Even opening your eyes. Oh, man, somebody's heart. Oh, I can't move. Whatever. And so there's no curse or anything. It says in Revelation 21.4, it says here, it says here, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, no sorrow, crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are past Away. Wow. Yeah, thank you, Lord. And so magnificent are the glories of heaven that the Apostle John had um, had to search through human language to find the words just to describe it. And he saw it and probably was just in, in complete awe. And so we will not be hindered by time, by physical weakness, or the consequence, the consequences of sin. Don't you just hate sin? He, you, you do it, and it's like, man, why did I do it again? And you keep doing it, and it's just, ah. But what a bliss what heaven is like. Can't even imagine it. The tears and sorrows of this life will only serve to make heaven all that sweeter. 
Wow. And so our present knowledge of God, while real and precious, remains incomplete. I think they even said we only use like 5 or 10% of our brain, the capacity. So Adam, probably before sin, used the whole thing. All right. And Eve at that time. And so we often fall short because of sin. But in heaven, we will know him perfectly. We will behold the glory of his presence and faithful turn to sight. We will know, again, we will see our, it ourselves. It says in Revelation 21, 3, loving adoration and sincere praise will flow from our hearts as we gaze into the face of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So heaven is our reward itself right there. So while we're not there, we've got to continue on. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting, uh, as a noted philosopher um, and Harvard University professor, uh, Alfred North Whitehead, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Harvard was first a, was based on Christianity, yeah. but now it just flipped upside down is now the opposite. He once asked a friend, he says, as for Christian theology, can you imagine anything more shockingly idiotic than the Christian idea of heaven, so he didn't believe in it. So it's going to be as shockingly idiotic of him, then he winds up in hell, and shockingly glorious for the Christians, because it's going to be a, good, a big surprise to those who are ready for it. Amen. For those, a child of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says this, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered in the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Amen. Do you and I, do we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and body? But the focus of the attention of heaven is not those, the things they talk about, the glorified saints, the angels, the streets of gold, and all those other things, although those are glorious in itself, but the central glory and joy of heaven is Jesus Christ Himself. And so then we can be in his presence and experience fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. So in closing, amen. As you listen to this, uh, just listen to the lyrics that an American blind hymnist in the 1800s, Fanny Crosby, she wrote, she said this. It's a song, I think. When my life, when my life work is ended and I cross the, sweet, uh, the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and His smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeemed by His side I shall stand. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, by the prince of the nails in His hand. And so it's astonishing to our minds that Fanny could see the coming glory better than anyone we know. Though she was in this or in her life before she passed away, she passed on to eternity, she was blind. She could not see. Perhaps she would even know him better than anyone else on that glorious resurrection morning when she receives a new body with perfect sight. No more glasses. No more laser treatment or whatever. Amen. I even, even had an uncle, don't mean to scare you, but he had laser treatment and now he's going blind. Okay, I'm, I'm not trying to scare you, okay? But he did it and he, he was told not to do it and he went ahead and did it. Hard-headed guy, okay. So 
with this, at that moment, the deepest longings of poor, blind Fanny Crosby will be understood clearly in reality. So how could that be? these things be possible? Because she has a lively hope in Christ that carried and cared for her in this life until her life there in heaven. And so what glorious hope indeed. So let's go ahead and let's pray. And as the pianist would come, please, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your love and care for us. Father, we just pray and ask you to help us to see in, in um, light of eternity that we can have a little heaven on earth, so to speak, by just uh, surrendering ourselves to your word. And Lord, just having that fullness of joy. We can have that fullness and joy in heaven, but we can experience some of that now. I know a lot of things around us don't seem to be going so well. Everything is chaotic. But for the child of God, it doesn't have to be that way. As long as we focus on you, Lord. Just pray and ask you to help us to be uh, living servants and witnesses for you in this lost and dying world that needs Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if everyone would, if you please stand with your heads bowed.